Good afternoon, everybody. This is Anthony Pudlow, Vice President of Professional Affairs with the Iowa Pharmacy Association. I want to thank everybody for joining in today to listen to um, IPA's Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast series. I'm joined today by Jennifer Tiffany, who serves as the Associate Director of the PMP with the Board of Pharmacy. Um, after today's meeting, there's been a, quite a bit of discussion around um, the opioid crisis and the prescription drug monitoring program. So we really want to invite Jennifer in to really speak to some of the points that were brought forward, not only as it relates to some of the proposed regulations that the Board of Pharmacy is putting forward, but even some of their proposed um, pieces of legislation that they'd be looking for um, in the 2018 legislative session here in Iowa. So, Jennifer, what I'd like to maybe first start off with is just um, asking you, I know um, Andrew Funk and his report, his report as the executive director to the board really spoke to some of the efforts at the board, uh, not just himself, but you have been um, uh, helping to um, get out and educate people about the PMP. Can you just maybe speak to what you guys have been doing um, at this point to educate on the PMP as it is today? Certainly. We have received um, many requests from different agencies, different groups to come and speak regarding the PMP, and we've been trying to accommodate as many of those requests as possible. Our director, Andrew Funk, recently served on a panel for the Governor's Opioid Awareness Week and has also served on the Interim uh, Legislative Study Committee. Myself, I have gone around and done a couple presentations with some medical associations regarding the PMP and trying to increase provider usage and registration of the PMP as that is lacking, especially in the, in the area of the controlled substance registrants, which is pretty low at about 45% mm -hmm. are, are registered to actually use it. Doesn't so those would be the prescribers? That's primary. correct, okay. yes. So we're just taking everything that we can and going out there and hitting the pavement and trying to get the word out there. To and that's obviously outside of, outside of all the uh, national news, state news around this. Um, uh, but it is great. I know throughout the IPA Goes Local events this year that focused on the opioid crisis, there was a general theme there around just um, education or just misunderstanding around the PMP, maybe not necessarily within the pharmacy profession, but definitely within our prescriber colleagues and even um, other stakeholder groups that uh, really would be ones to use the PMP or access the PMP for different reasons. So um, I, I applaud you and, and Andrew for getting the word out and really, um, really getting impact or input from a lot of other people that uh, really care about the PMP. So as it relates to the PMP, I know um, on the Board of Pharmacy's agenda today, there was um, a notice of intended action um, regarding Chapters 10 and Chapters um, 37 that relates to controlled substances and the PMP. So knowing that, again, this is a notice of intended action, the Board was looking at making some proposed rule changes that would go out for public comment. So can you maybe just speak to some of the themes that came forward? I know this may be related to some of the legislation that passed this last year, but can you just maybe highlight maybe one or two of the things that you um, saw the, uh, that came forward in those proposed rules? Certainly. I think the one that's going to impact, obviously, pharmacies the most would be the changing the reporting frequency to the PMP. Mm -hmm. Currently, we're at weekly reporting, and we would like for it to be um, every business day following dispensing. 
So that is probably the biggest thing that we are putting out there. I believe we, we had it. Um, we didn't realize last year that we could change that in rule, and we thought we had to change the code in order to be allowed to do that. But we have come to the realization we can, we can do it just through rule, which is nice, um, because we do want more timely, more relevant data. And by having that reporting frequency shrunken down, we're really going to have better, sure. better information out there for the practitioners. So that would not necessarily be real time. That would no, be correct. It would daily. not be real time. The the language says no later than the next business day following dispensing. Okay. So, gotcha. So the next business day after the dispensing of that. Correct. That so substance. let's say they're open on a Saturday, but they're not open on a Sunday. They could wait until that following Monday. Okay. To, to report that. That makes sense. Um, and I guess maybe to that point, I know um, obviously, like we talked about, this notice of intended action will go out for public comment. But it seems like the board also conducted maybe a survey of of users of the PMP, or at least pharmacies that report to the PMP about what this might mean. Can you maybe speak to some of the data that came from that survey? Yes, we, we did send out a, a rather brief survey to all the pharmacies in Iowa to find out how, um, how onerous it would be to, to increase that reporting frequency. Sure. See who is currently already reporting weekly, who is currently reporting daily, even though that's not a requirement right now. And we found that the majority of pharmacies are already reporting on a daily basis mm -hmm. and not weekly. Um, and those that are still reporting weekly indicated that it would not be so much of a burden on them to sure. have to report more frequently than on a weekly basis. So. Okay. so, yeah, definitely it seems like there's still a few that might, you know, we'll have to see and really hear from. Um, from pharmacies and pharmacists around the state what this would mean as, as the board moves forward on that, that rule change. What else came forward in that um, notice of intended action that you wanted to mention to the listeners? The, the only <laughs> other piece regarding the PMP, it just expands access to medical examiners and their investigators. Oh, yeah. um, we do have some medical examiners just by, by way of their controlled substance registration that already have access to the PMP, um, but now that extends to their investigators as well. So they are now um, authorized to apply to, be, to become a, a user of the PMP. Well, perfect. Well, I, I think this is definitely one that you will probably see quite a few comments, and I encourage, I encourage our listeners and others to submit their comments around these uh, around this notice of intended action, which now that the board actually did vote um, to approve that notice, um, they'll go through the public comment period. So if you haven't uh, logged on to the rules.iowa.gov website um, before, know that you can submit your own individual comments directly to the board. Um, it'll take, uh, I think, usually a couple weeks before that gets officially um, released onto that website, but then there's a, usually a 30-, 45-day comment period for, for listeners to do that. Um, well, then the other thing I, I, I'd like to um, talk about is that there was also a, a lot of discussion today around a pro proposed amendments to the Iowa Code or the laws um, regarding Section 147, 
or excuse me, um, 124 that relate to the, pre the prescription drug monitoring program. And it seemed like the board had quite a bit of discussion around one of the proposed amendments that really related to the makeup and the, the process uh, occurring with the advisory council for the PMP. Um, can you maybe start by just um, kind of summarizing your thoughts on how the board kind of talked through that topic? Sure. So in code, it was established that with the prescription monitoring program, there had to be an advisory council that consisted of three pharmacist members, three physician members, and then one non-physician prescriber. And of those eight that were originally chosen, and this is it's a governor-appointed mm -hmm. committee at this point, as it's referenced in code, and of those original eight that were appointed by then Governor Branstead, we only have six remaining. We have been unable to fill the remaining two slots. And of those that are still on the committee, we are having trouble achieving a quorum for meetings in order to talk about where we want to go with this program. So one of the thoughts that the board had was to look at that code and instead of having it be a governor appointed committee, see if we can take that over and have it be a board appointed committee rather than going through the governor's office. Um, because we do feel it's important to still have that input from, from the various uh, specialties out there. Sure, sure. Um, so I think that that was kind of where they were happy saying, okay, then let's let's at least try this, mm -hmm. see if that is amenable to people, and then that way we won't have to sure. go through And actually, thing. I think the initial amendment was to actually just strike it out completely, but <clears throat> right. it seemed like once that was put in front of the board, um, the board really recognized there is an important value to that advisory committee as the PMP is kind of under a microscope of sorts um, in terms of the user ability, connectability to EHRs, concerns around the use of it, registration, mandates. I mean, all these kind of terms mm -hmm. are getting thrown out. So it seems like there was definitely a lot of interest in still maintaining that group. Um, I guess, Jennifer, what other um, things, there was quite a bit of amendments in, in what was proposed that the board was talking about. What other things did you feel like were probably important components there for, for um, listeners to, to understand that the board's considering as it relates to the PMP? We are going to pull back some, some pieces that did not pass during last legislative session. <clears throat> the first would be expanding the reporting schedules to include Schedule 5s that are dispensed by prescription that would not include pseudoephedrine as we're already tracking that through Unflex. Um, so including or expanding to include Schedule 5 and then also requiring any practitioners that dispense controlled substances out of their offices that they have to report those dispensings to the PMP. Mm -hmm. um, right now, they are exempt. The only place we're getting dispensations from are from the, the pharmacies. So we want to put that out there again. Um, and then the other, the other big piece that um, seems like when the governor had their yeah. uh, opioid awareness event last week, she, she did indicate, Governor Reynolds indicated that she did want to encourage our Board of Pharmacy to look into um, being able to do proactive notifications 
to those healthcare providers that are involved in the care of individuals that are at risk for opioid use disorder. So that we're going to we're going to bring back, and that's going to be in our legislative package. More more likely than not, is to be able to be able to distribute those proactive sure. notifications. Sure. So definitely a lot of discussion around the PMP, and there was um, quite a bit on on this proposed these proposed amendments. Um, but really, at this point, the board chose to table the discussion for right now. They didn't because there was so many, um, I think, uh, comments for what was proposed. Right. Um, that they wanted to wait till they see things kind of recrafted. Um, what's the timeline roughly for what you kind of know? I know that um, the board will have to reconvene because they really want to make sure the board votes in approval, but obviously the legislative session's right around the mm-hmm. corner. So um, can you maybe speak to that or do you have any uh, detail on what you, what you kind of think the board's going to move forward with on this? Well, again, yeah, you're absolutely right. We were running on a pretty slim timeline, and I know that we typically pre-file our bills, and that has to happen, I believe, before Thanksgiving. So, we, yeah, we've just got mm-hmm. a matter of a couple of weeks to, yeah. to kind of reformulate things and, and get things get the to, board back on to where board we want, with what they want. Right. Well, that'll be definitely something, I think, for, um, for the association, for a lot of other groups that have um, been active on this dialogue around the PMP to really evaluate where the board um, comes forward. I know... Um, there's usually several other organizations that uh, relate to the board or to the PMP that try to um, propose pieces of legislation as well. So it will be a hot topic. So I think for everybody that's listening, um, I think this legislative session will be another very active um, role, not just from what the Board of Pharmacy is proposing. I can also say from the Board of uh, from the Pharmacy Association, there's going to be quite a bit of um, active um, efforts on behalf of the profession of pharmacy to showcase where and how. Um, really the role of the pharmacist and the pharmacy can make an impact on issues like in this case with the prescription drug epidemic. So um, so I guess um, overall, um, I just want to, again, thank you. I think it was a very active uh, uh, board meeting today, and thank you for your input here today. I know you've been staying pretty darn busy with aspects around the PMP and uh, actually recruiting pharmacies to sign up to uh, have a disposal, a, a, a permanent disposal unit for controlled substances as well. So thank you, Jennifer, for for all your efforts on this and for sharing some time with us this morning. Um, for everybody else, I want to thank you for joining us. Um, the Board of Pharmacy meets again in January. The open session will be on January 17th of 2018. So we look forward to uh, having all of you dial in again and listen to our next Board of Pharmacy podcast. So thanks, everybody, for joining and have a great day.